Welcome, friends, to the Worldcraft Club podcast. We're all about helping you create immersive settings that will draw your audience back time and time again. And today, we are going to talk about exposition. Dun, dun, dun. The dreaded word. With me today to talk about the terrors of expedition. Expedition? Exposition. Exposition. I'm going to probably mess that up like probably 15 times during this episode. So what I need you to do is I need you to pay attention and count to how many times I mess up the word exposition. I've been practicing all day, but I don't think it helped. I think it probably made things worse, actually. So count the number of times that I mess up that word. And then make sure you jump on our Facebook page. Make sure you jump on Twitter. Make sure you jump on our Discord. And let us know, let James know and let Marcus know exactly how many times I screwed it up. So I'm counting on you. I'm counting on you to do that. Because when I go through to edit this episode, I'm definitely not going to do it. Anyway, we are super excited to talk about this. And it's not just me here. That's right. We are excited to talk about this. Today, I have Marcus with me. How are you doing, Marcus? I'm doing great. Hey, we're in person. We are. It's so exciting. So we're trying to do more of our episodes in person. And we're going to give this one a shot as well. We are trying out a whole bunch of different setups. So tell us specifically which episodes you like the sound of the best. And we'll be able to know from that what kind of setup we need to use going forward. Now, remember that we are brought to you by our community. We have a wonderful Patreon community and a wonderful Discord community, and we have bunches of friends on Facebook that we like to talk to as well. You should really get plugged into these communities. They are not just about the Worldcraft Club. They are actually more about the stuff that we all like to create, the world building that we all like to do. One of the coolest things to see in Discord is different people bringing their ideas, asking questions, getting feedback, just interacting with other world builders in real time. It's been a real pleasure to watch that. So if you're interested in world building, we have some great communities for you to plug into. Now, without any further ado, let's jump into this episode. Exposition. Exposition. Exposition is an interesting thing because we often hear people tell us that it's bad. Yeah. So I want to explore this idea, Marcus. Mm -hmm. Is exposition inherently bad i think it all depends how you use it usually when people talk about exposition and have that kind of sour taste in their mouth it's usually along the lines of like over narration or another term is lore dumping so what you're saying is that when people say exposition is bad they're actually talking about a bad kind of exposition yeah Yeah, bad delivery, almost an over-delivery of exposition. I think everybody agrees is just too much. Okay, so lore dumping or an overexposure of exposition being too much, what kind of expositions might we find that aren't too much? We've heard it time and time again, show, don't tell. Mm -hmm. So kind of lacing the exposition in action Okay. Helps keep the pace of the narrative, especially if you're writing. It's a hard lesson I had to learn in school. Yeah. <laughs> because I would lore dump and the class okay. would hate me for it. Real quick, when you talk about lore dumping, mm-hmm. can you give me a sort of off the cuff definition of what you mean by lore dumping? I think the term came primarily from the, I know it's widely used in the TTRPG community. And it's basically when the game master or dungeon master spent all these hours creating this world <laughs> and all its details and ins and outs. And you just came into the new town. And while you're just like looking for a tavern, it's like, hey, well, how's this town? And 
the GM kind of stops the action mm-hmm. and tells you the history of the town. Okay. Okay. So yeah, I think anybody who's played a TTRPG has experienced some of that. Mm-hmm. And then your players all glaze over, right? Because mm-hmm. I've seen this meme. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> but your players all glaze over. And when they wake up from their artificially induced coma they have no idea what you just said yeah and they're still left wondering where the tavern is right basically (laughs) okay so that's a great example of terrible exposition and it's not just tdrpgs i've seen it in movies in particularly the infamous scene in matrix 2 when neo meets the architect i literally knew exactly what you were going to say before you said it yep wow that is the quintessential cinematic lore dump that everybody hates and every time i show the movie to friends i must turn the subtitles on Yes, because otherwise everybody just glazes over. Mm-hmm. Man. So it's really interesting to, because it's so easy for us to sort of identify, okay, this is bad exposition. That begs the question, how do we move into good exposition? So as I like to do, I definitely actually looked up the dictionary definition for exposition. For exposition. yeah. So one of the things for all of you to know about me is that growing up, here's some exposition. Uh, <laughs> growing up, my mom... Anytime somebody didn't know what a word meant, my mom would get out her old dictionary, usually around the dinner table when nobody could escape, and would read the definition of the word. And then not only the definition of the word, but would tell us about where the word came from, Mm. right? And that has stuck with me. And so one of the things I often do as I prep for the podcast is just go and look up definitions. And what was really interesting is that exposition is technically a comprehensive description and explanation of an idea or theory. Okay. So this is a word that we've co-opted as world builders, as storytellers, right? Exposition in a story is the background information on the characters and setting that's explained at the beginning of the story, which is fascinating because what I'm hearing from you is that exposition at the beginning of the story might be the worst kind of exposition. Mm. And that exposition delivered over the course of the story, show, don't tell, right, Mm -hmm. might be a better way to do it. Well, that's always so tricky because what exposition is trying to serve its goal, I Mm -hmm. believe, It's the establishing shot of your world, of your story. Right. And where you can communicate that, you know, in a visual medium with just a few shots or whatever. Okay. Especially in narrative or something that (sighs) your political intrigue is, you know, you're coming into the middle of it. Mm -hmm. And this is where the twist, you know, happens for the hero. Mm -hmm. It's this establishing shot. You're trying to establish the world which the action is taking place. And people find that, well, I need to kick that off in the beginning, Mm -hmm. which is fine. Placement-wise, I think where people think it is bad, it's the delivery. And does it bring people in, or do you just alienate your audience with this wall of history? Okay, so that's interesting, because what you're effectively unpacking there is that exposition's purpose is in giving context. Yes. Right? And so exposition in a world where a visitant is first coming into the world, whether it's a movie, whether it's a book, whether it's a TTRPG, the point of giving them any background at all and not just dropping them into the middle of the field is that they understand the context of what they're about to watch. 
So mm-hmm. while you were talking about that, an interesting example popped into my head. Okay. Have you seen Shaun of the Dead? Yes. So in the beginning of Shaun of the Dead, he goes through his daily routine mm-hmm. as a zombie. And everybody in the world is effectively a zombie, yeah, right? As... Everybody just does the same things over and over and over again. As in the metaphorical zombie. Absolutely. Going through your daily grind, going to work. and Right. And then, as anybody who's looked at the front cover of the movie knows, zombies show up. Mm-hmm. Actual zombies show up. Yes. There's a zombie outbreak and all of the people who he has encountered in his daily life become zombies and he doesn't notice. <laughs> yeah. Right? And so that's that's played for laughs, but it's also played to establish what kind of world that he's living in. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's interesting because if you remove that from the beginning of the movie, you really wouldn't have the same movie. Right. You wouldn't be able to deliver the jokes you deliver with the same timing and punchline because you mm-hmm. didn't establish the boundaries of the world ahead of time. You didn't establish mm-hmm. the context for what somebody is going to watch. And interestingly, Hot Fuzz, made by the same cast... I was just about to mention Hot Fuzz. Yeah, does the same thing. Yeah. Edgar Wright is a great practitioner of show, don't tell. Yeah. In Hot Fuzz in the beginning, when he is kicked out of the big city and transitions into the small village, it's all a bunch of smash cuts. But if you go through, it is telling the story, rapid fire, of him traveling. And then you see like his cell phone. The bar is going down. Yeah, the bar is going down. The the service, his reception is going down, letting you know he's getting further and further away Mm -hmm. from the metropolitan civilization. Yeah. Okay, so so this is really interesting because here we have some really solid examples of good exposition. So this answers a question, right? Is exposition actually necessary? And I think we've we've just sort of established that yeah, it it is necessary in order to give some context to a story. Mm-hmm. So I read a book recently that was sent to me for a beta read, and one of the very very few complaints I had because it was awesome like the story was really cool but one of the very few complaints i had was that it took me too many chapters to understand what was actually going on oh yeah there was a lot of information and i understood the place that the characters stood but i didn't know why it was important that i followed them and so one of the things that i think exposition seems to do is demonstrate the importance of what we're about to watch right my question is how do we do that without just saying Here's the whole history of the world, and this is why this quest is important. Well, I think that can be achieved if you can manipulate the expectation of the audience pretty well so that you don't have to basically spoof them every single detail that you think you need to. You can use pre-established tropes so that once the audience knows the trope, they already are given information. And we can talk about tropes yeah, at length. Yeah, oh man, that's going to be... Let's do that episode too, because <laughs> tropes is a huge topic. Yeah, we'll do an episode just all about tropes. Just so everybody knows, a trope is a like recognizable type of plot, yeah. right? Or a recognizable element in a story, because it mm-hmm. appears in so many other stories. Yeah, like the wizened teacher, you know? Right, like right, right. Dumbledore, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Gandalf the Grey. Yeah, they're all effectively <laughs> the same person when they are delivering information yeah. to somebody and being wise. Yeah. So if you kind of establish that, like, oh, it's in, even in that trope, 
you kind of know what's going on. You know this right. guy is wizened, he knows stuff he should be paid attention to. Yeah, it's really interesting that you don't often have characters with long beards in, <laughs> like, long gray beards specifically mm-hmm. in stories that are then really dumb. Yeah. Like, that's mm-hmm. just not something we do. Right. And you can already, like, present that. And then the audience will just get the idea right, right. away. You don't have to go into okay. its war backstory of why this guy is important, why he knows stuff. Right. If you kind of establish that kind of character, mm-hmm. then you can kind of hurry your audience along. Okay. And then later you can mess with the uh, expectation, which would be the fun thing. Right. So, so what you're effectively talking about there is using tropes as shorthand for information mm-hmm. that people already know. Yes. Right. You're saying, okay, everybody already knows that the old guy with the beard probably understands a few things. Yeah. And so when this person pops up and says, I'm the old guy with the beard and then proceeds (laughs) to tell the party or the reader or Mm -hmm. your visitant, whatever they need to know, everybody's like, great. That's where I expected to get it from. Yep. I just started getting back watching the Netflix series Into the Badlands. And it has an old <laughs> Wizen character and he's in a wheelchair. One look at him, I knew what trophy was going to be. I'm like, oh, he's going to kick this young guy's butt. <laughs> right. And he does, right. you know, but it's an endearing character. It, it's mm-hmm. not like I groan and like, oh, it's another one of these. That reminds me of the movie Dodgeball. Oh, yeah. Oh, they're the guy in the <laughs> wheelchair there. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah, just when doing this episode or coming together for this episode, the idea of it, I had struggled with over explaining things, like I mentioned Mm. previously with this when I was learning fiction writing in school. Mm -hmm. And I would drive my class crazy because a new character would come in and it was like kind of a Alice in Wonderland esque. So things were weird. Mm -hmm. So I felt like everything is cool and new i need to explain in detail how this person looks as Mm -hmm. they coming into the room so i had this character and i explained you know how she was walking what she was wearing you know what her face looked like what makeup not how her hair was and i just it was like two it was actually one huge paragraph it was basically one and they hated like we were going with the flow with the action and you just brought it to a halt for this character right if you would have just had faith in your audience and just said Yeah, she looked like a ringleader and she strutted up to the main character like a showgirl on the catwalk. Mm -hmm. People would have understood. Right. I immediately had in my head a picture of exactly what that character looks like. Yeah. And then that's what it was. And then I could have gotten on with the more important thing of the narrative, which was the action, what they were doing, why they were there. Right. Why they were important. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So using these tropes is great for that short code, but... What if you're trying to explain something that is sort of unique to your... Okay, I was about to ask you, what if you need to explain something that's unique to your world? But realistically, there's nothing new under the sun. Right. Realistically, everything's been done, Mm -hmm. right, in some manner before. And Mm -hmm. so it's one of world builders' favorite pastimes to assume that their content is original. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we all like to think that we have a creative spark and that we're bringing something original to the table. We've all been guilty. <laughs> but the reality is that we very rarely have anything new. Often what we have is something that is tried and true with a new twist. Yeah. Right? I think that I sort of answered the question I was about to ask you, oh, yeah? which is how do you represent something new, right? But 
if there's nothing that's truly new under the sun, and if you disagree with this and think that you have a completely new and unique system, I have bad news for you, but feel free to email me. <laughs> you can email me at worldcraftclubpodcast at gmail.com. But seriously, I would actually love to see what you guys are working on, so definitely email us. Okay, back to the episode. <laughs> so adding information that's new that doesn't quite fit into the trope, right? Like the mm -hmm. Gandalf figure, Yeah. right? Gandalf and Dumbledore are very different figures, mm -hmm. right? Because their purpose in the story is different. They both fill the trope of sort of wise old men. Right. But spoiler alert, Dumbledore dies and Gandalf doesn't. So Gandalf comes back. Yeah, coming back counts as not dying. I'm <laughs> okay. sorry. I don't I don't buy into the whole died well, and came back. Dumbledore gets removed from the story. Correct. That's a better back. way to put it. <laughs> Dumbledore exits stage left mm -hmm. and never returns. Mm -hmm. Gandalf dramatically exits and dramatically comes back. Obi-Wan. Absolutely. So you have different characters that are filling similar roles, right? Similar tropes, mm -hmm. but they're not exactly the same. Right. So when you are presenting this new information, you can present the trope, and because you've shortcoded all of this information, you can then spend a very small amount of time clarifying exactly what you mean. Exactly. That's pretty genius, right? This is just a really practical way to, to world build as you move through the story. Mm -hmm. Because people naturally compare things in order to feel grounded. Oh, yeah. So even if you are trying to explain something, quote, new to mm -hmm. somebody, after your explanation, they will most likely be like, oh, you mean like... Right. You know? Which is, again, one of a world builder's most hated questions. Yes. Yes. Oh, you mean like Star Wars? Right. Oh, you mean like Lord of the Rings? Mm -hmm. No, it's different. <laughs> yeah. It's new. Yeah. It's unique. So yeah, I think it's just... <laughs> yeah, I think... <sighs> And maybe just that's the energy of bad exposition. Yeah, I think it's, okay. it's maybe the, and again, we're all guilty of it. Yeah. Maybe we just need to kind of get over ourselves and really value our audience's time and give them a little more faith and just throw them, you know, a bone. Yeah, you know, I think I think there's a really good principle that, that is, is so important. If you're a writer, pay attention particularly. If you're a TTRPG game master... This also applies to you. Like, give your players, give your readers some credit, right? They're smarter than you think they are. You don't have to spell out everything explicitly. In fact, one of the biggest pieces of feedback that I have gotten from running a community that reads all of my content as I write it, I literally write chapters and then post them like a week or two later, right? I get immediate feedback on whether people think it sucks or whether people think it's acceptable, or whether people enjoy it. And over and over again, over the last two and a half years that I've been doing this, the piece of feedback that I've been getting the most regularly is people saying, oh, I just realized such and such. And it's awesome. Yeah. Right? Because the feeling of making the connection is so powerful. Mm -hmm. Right? It is so powerful. And so as a writer, as a game master, as a movie maker, allowing your audience to put those connections together, to have the realization. And if it takes them watching the movie three times before they get it, it's going to be all the sweeter, right? Mm -hmm. If it takes them getting to the end of the book to realize the foreshadowing that you put in at the beginning, it's going to be all the sweeter. Mm -hmm. But giving them the grace 
to do the work themselves. That's a weird way to think about it, to say, no, if the reader has to do more work, they're going to enjoy it more. That's like me watching Ghost in the Shell. I do not get it the first reading. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why. And it's not just the movie. I've read some of the comics or manga that came after the main one that the movie mm-hmm. was on. And I watch some of the TV shows. And every time I come in, I get what they're doing and what they have to do in that time. I can never get the overall concept. But I have fans gladly tell me, oh, no, this is what you missed. Mm-hmm. Because they, like, figured it out. It's like, oh, you just need to watch the movie again and you'll see all this, mm-hmm. you know, stuff. I'm like, okay, so... People do find it enjoyable, even if you are subtle with the exposition. Yes. Just as long as you get the main plot beats there so people can follow. Yeah, you you. can't obviously be so subtle with it that it's impossible to figure out. Yeah. Right. You have to, to some extent, ham fist it. Right. Mm -hmm. You have to be like, and here's a big piece of information that you need to know. Mm -hmm. And here's a big piece of information that you need to know. But you can trust people to read between the lines because they're going to read between the lines whether you like it or not. Mm. I have had countless people come back to me and say, is this plot thread that I came up with in my head true? Is this what you meant when you wrote that thing? And I was Mm. like, no, I didn't mean any of that stuff at all. I didn't write that, but obviously I did because that's what they're picking up from the story, Mm -hmm. right? So I think just as a general rule, trusting our players, trusting our readers, trusting our visitant, Mm -hmm. If they're there in the world, they're interested, right? Mm -hmm. We can make that assumption. And the last thing we want to do is drown them with information. Right. But we can trust them that they are going to try to figure out things that need Mm -hmm. to be figured out. Yeah. If you breadcrumb your exposition bit by bit throughout it, they will be able to connect the dots. They don't need to have the whole picture right up front. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, just as a note, since we're on this topic, different people do have different levels of tolerance for Mm -hmm. exposition oh for sure right because there are some authors who i know on a concrete level that they are fantastic writers Mm -hmm. but i don't read their books yeah or even there's some people that immediately when your movie starts with narration they groan and roll their eyes and maybe shut it off yeah absolutely (laughs) you know different people have different levels of interest in consuming exposition and so i want to add that because if you are somebody who really likes heavy exposition there are other people like you in the world right it's not like if you write a story with exposition nobody's going to read it or if you Mm -hmm. build your ttrpg game with exposition nobody's going to read it Mm -hmm. but while we're here let's talk about maybe some examples of expedition done i did it again exposition (laughs) done well yeah and exposition done poorly so yeah, I, I wanted to ask you, what do you think is, like, exposition done well? Ugh, I'm, I didn't want to answer that question. Okay. I wanted to ask you. No, oh, do, do, you no. Want to, do you want to reshoot that question? No, no, no. Okay. I, I didn't want to answer that question because exposition is one of the things that I feel like I do poorly. Okay. Now, I think I do it better in my seventh book than I do it in my first book. Oh yeah, you've gotten better. I you know, I've gotten better over time. But exposition is one of those things that that I think it is it is pretty tough. Mm-hmm. Honestly, as a writer, I wish I could do the anime whiteboard. Oh yeah, the anime whiteboard. Okay, I think I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. So in a lot of shows, in a lot of anime, they will jump right into the story mm-hmm. and they proceed through the story until there's a 
important piece of background knowledge that you have to have. For instance, Mm -hmm. the way two powers interact, the way the history of a kingdom, all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. Typically, what will happen is all action will stop, usually mid-punch, right? (laughs) Immediately, everything ceases. Somebody comes off from the side of the screen, rolls out a whiteboard, explains why it's really important that you know this one little fact, Mm -hmm. right? And then they move back into the action. Yeah. And and honestly, I wish I could do that with a book. Oh, yeah, that is more more of a visual medium kind of deal. So somebody who did that really, really well was Douglas Adams. Okay. Douglas Adams in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy often has these footnotes that explain, that exposit on whatever it is you're seeing, but they're so hysterical Mm -hmm. in the way they're presented Mm -hmm. that I would literally read an entire book that was just his exposition. (laughs) Terry Pratchett, who's in the same vein, sort of absurdist fiction, right? Absurdist fantasy instead of absurdist sci-fi, also did the same thing Mm -hmm. in some of, a lot of his earlier books, his later books, less so. But he would have these little footnotes, right? And honestly, when I read the books, I lived for them. Yeah. Because they were all hysterical. Even more hysterical were the footnotes to his footnotes. Because every time <laughs> he would give a piece of exposition in a footnote, there would be something in it that was totally unknown. And so he would have to exposit on that thing in a further footnote underneath. <laughs> and so sometimes they got like three or four deep. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. a, an example of very creatively done exposition. But not everybody's able to do that, right? My books mm-hmm. don't have that tenor, right? My tone is totally different. I'm not writing absurdist fiction. And so it's harder for me to do something like that. But those yeah. are examples of exposition done well that pop to mind. Yeah. And I understand what you mean by the whiteboard anime exposition, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, I mean, I had grumbled about it in the past, especially in like they were rampant in Naruto fight scenes. Yeah. But you know what? I prefer that over a flashback. Oh my goodness, yes. <laughs> and then as you said, your good exposition popped into my head. One of my favorite movies actually has basically a lore dump, but how it is delivered was actually entertaining. And it's the first John Wick movie. Mm-hmm. And after... Oh my goodness, yes. Yeah. It's when Vigo realizes his son messed with John Wick and his son comes up and, yeah. what, you mean the nobody? And it's like, that nobody was John Wick. And then what comes after is an exposition. But it is delivered in the context of him not only cluing in the audience, but now cluing in on his imbecilic son. That's right. And so not only as you're getting this information, now you're seeing this dirtbag of a son also realizing. So the entertainment is like, oh... John Wick is this guy, you know, given by his furious, you know, dad. And I think that is... And then that's cut with shots of John going down into the basement to Mm -hmm. get his weapons. Literally digging up his past. (laughs) That is actually really a great example Mm -hmm. of what we would normally say, a character should never explain to another character something that they already know. Right. Right? Yes. But... That is a fantastic circumnavigation of that principle, right? You have a character who's explaining to somebody who doesn't know just how bad it is. And you are seeing the 
person they're explaining about or the thing they're mm-hmm. explaining about playing out or like mm-hmm. coming to fruition and you're also getting uh, entertained by the drama of like oh right. now this guy knows how deep and crap he is yes now. yes i he, think it was great he understands the depth of the pit he just dug yes oh man that's a great example that mm-hmm. is a really good example all right so I think we've talked over this subject fairly well. Mm-hmm. We've talked about what bad exposition is, lore dumps, right? Mm-hmm. It's just sort of this glut of information that doesn't necessarily tie into anything in particular and just hammers the reader or the player, right? It hammers your visitant with, this is information about the world. Even though it has nothing to do with what's going on now. Right. And we've talked a little bit about some good examples of how to exposit, right? Mm-hmm. You have John Wick who's a character is explaining to another character just how bad they've messed up because of a history that's important to the story. You have the anime whiteboard, which is sort of a humorous way of Mm -hmm. inserting little pieces of information into the story, or even the Terry Pratchett slash Douglas Adams example, where that information is optional. If you are interested in it, you can read it, but you don't necessarily have to read it for the story to make sense, Mm -hmm. right? But it is fun to read it because it's so fun fun to read it. Absolutely. And one of the major takeaways, I think, from this episode needs to be that we need to trust our visitant. They're in our world because they want to be in our world initially. And as long as we don't drive them away by drowning them in exposition, they're probably going to be interested in figuring out the mysteries of it, right? Mm -hmm. So we can use a breadcrumb trail to sort of give them the information that they need over time. Yeah. Right? I think this has been a really good unpacking of exposition. Yeah. There's a lot that we could probably talk about to expand on this and i'm sure we will in the future as it comes up in different episodes yeah it could be a part two or just different ways yeah i'm sure i'm sure we're going to visit this one again yeah because there's a lot to doing exposition well Mm -hmm. i think as a final takeaway it needs to be said that what's most important in a story is the story what's most important in a narrative is the narrative and when we are world building a visitant is coming in to experience a specific thing they are not necessarily just wandering around in our world if they are wandering around in our world information is fine right Mm -hmm. give them as much exposition as they want because they're not there for a specific purpose but if someone is coming into our world for a specific adventure whether they're reading whether it's ttrpg whether they're watching a movie then we only need to give them the things that are relevant to what they're actually doing like you said we don't necessarily want to be giving them information that is not relevant to what is happening now. Right. So with that, I think we're going to sign off. It has been a fun episode, Marcus. It very well has. Thank you very much for coming out and talking with me about exposition. I said it right. Yes. <laughs> As always, make sure you're checking us out on Facebook. Make sure you're checking us out on Patreon. Patreon is how we support this podcast. We have a really cool community over there. And make sure you're coming and joining our Discord, because that is where the real magic happens. It's because you were upping our equipment slowly but surely. That's right. We're doing this live and in person. Super happy to be able to do that. It has been very fun. This has been a fun and will continue on for many years, I'm sure. So thank you. Thank you very much. And with that, we're going to sign off. See you next time. Thank you for joining us on the Worldcraft Club podcast. Be sure to come and find us on Facebook, Instagram, or on our Discord server linked below. If you love what you hear, please give us a five-star rating on the podcatcher of your choice. And finally, we want to say a thank you to our amazing patrons who support us on Patreon. If you want to chip in and help us produce more content, please head down and find us at patreon.com forward slash worldcraftclub. 
to get extra episodes and content for as little as $2 a month. Again, this has been the Worldcraft Club, and we're so glad you gave us a listen. Until next time.